Democrats cry a lot over Trump being mean. Why is the media talking about the Proud Boys gearing up for the ACB showdown to come? And uh, James Comey is the worst. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends. Weeks away now, just just mere weeks away, almost almost exactly a month of the day until the election. And my oh my, I cannot believe that we are still talking about whether the American people are going to vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. But here we are. It's a crazy world we live in. And there are people who certainly uh, believe fervently believe in the, the to the core of their being. Donald Trump will ruin the republic. He's been president for four years and it's pretty darn good, but he'll ruin the country if he gets four more years. That's what they think. And they've spent the last uh, 24, 48 hours now doing everything they can to try to get some lift out of this debate. I, I don't think that it worked for them at all. But their narratives after the first exchange between Trump and Biden on stage tell you a lot about what they're trying to do here. Tells you a lot about what you're going to hear in the weeks ahead. So for one thing, uh, you know, Joe Biden, you know, he's he's trying to tell everybody that he was the bigger man. He was the guy who was being a professional real deal. In reality, Joe Biden called the actual president of the United States a clown, told him to shut up. So and I'm not going to pretend like Trump was, uh, you know, being gentlemanly on that stage. But let's just understand that this is a fight, friends. We are in a dogfight and the president is taking that approach. So is Biden. But now Biden turns around and says he was mean. Play clip three. What do you have to say to those undecided, persuadable voters who were watching last night and were just completely turned off by politics? I can understand it. It was um, I kind of thought at one point, maybe I shouldn't say this, but uh, the president of the United States conducting himself the way he did um i think it was just a, a national embarrassment um and uh but look uh um i just hope that the american people and those undecided voters uh try to determine what each of us has as an answer for their concerns and allows us to actually speak yesterday notice that when he's not delivering canned lines i mean he was just a talking points machine in the debate against trump it's very obvious that he was i could see oh he's go he's going into now he's going into his jobs talking points he's going into his but the moment that you have to have a normal exchange with this guy that's when you really see that it's kind of cloudy thing and you know but when he's able to stand on stage and recite what the political consultants have told him to he looks like a guy well he doesn't look like a guy who's about to fall asleep although let's let's just be honest about that but he does he does say things that i think uh, are exactly what you would expect if you were to read the comment section of a msnbc or cnn.com or something you'd see just the usual stuff trump is terrible he's a racist the covid pandemic and nothing inspiring nothing encouraging 
But on this on this point about Trump being mean, because you're going to see a lot of this now, I have a very different take on this, including that a lot of conservatives out there. I have a different feeling about the why is Trump being so mean or or why was he so rough with Biden? This is another line from Biden on this play one. It was hard for me to believe that a president of the United States would be so viciously classless and do what he did. I, uh, I wasn't trying to look the whole we, we, we knew and he announced and his people announced to all of you major outlets that uh, they were going to try to uh, just attack my family and uh, and to get me angry. And all I kept thinking was I just uh, I, I, this is a ter- I wonder how many people had to take their kids away from the television set when this was going on, just to say, this is not who we are. This is not who we are as a nation. That's all I kept thinking. It's not, it's not who we are. Okay, well, let's talk about who the Democrats, in fact, are. He says that Trump here was so viciously classless, and he was very aggressive on the debate stage, and I wish he had pulled back a little bit, not because I have a problem with him being aggressive with Joe Biden, but because I would have liked to hear Biden actually be forced to answer certain things. And of course, Chris Wallace was running interference with him and it was a disgrace. But. OK, classlessness, being mean, be, being, uh, you know, not a, not a fair player in this political drama. That's that's what they allege against Trump. Let's remind ourselves, friends. That the left, the Democrat Party and the mainstream media. Has. For years, said that Donald Trump is a traitor to his country based on a fabrication, a Russia collusion lie cooked up by the Hillary Clinton campaign, no less paid for by Hillary Clinton donors run through a foreigner using Russian subsources, spread Russian disinformation into the FBI and all across the media to have a coup against the president of the United States to reverse the results of the election, or rather to undo what was done at the election. And let's also remember that the Democrats were not just planning to politically defeat Trump. They want to, to this day, and have done nothing but try to humiliate him, ruin him, and imprison him. They were trying to find criminal charges of any kind, and they would extend the law in ways that was obvious abuse if they had to, to throw Donald Trump in prison. They wanted to lock up his son, Donald Trump Jr. They wanted to send, again, not for doing anything. What Hillary Clinton did, because people always switch to this, what Hillary Clinton did with those emails, I would have had to, when I was a CIA officer, if I had done what Hillary did, I 100% would have been forced to take some kind of a a plea deal for criminal action. Maybe I would have avoided substantial jail time. Fine. But I would have had to take a criminal plea on the recklessness of 100 counts of 100 plus counts of classified information mishandled and part of my private server. And remember why she did it, too. That whole system was set up so that Hillary could evade FOIA, so that Hillary wouldn't have Clinton Foundation donors emailing her on her uh, and her secretary of state account saying, hey, I paid Bill a half a million dollars. I expect a meeting, which is, of course, why people pay Bill a half a million dollars for a speech when his wife is the secretary of state. Give me a break. But she really did break the law. That wasn't they weren't trying to come up with 
some Logan Act violation or the emoluments clause or something. And Hillary actually is a, is a criminal. Oh, no. Or, or you can believe that she's just so smart that she turned $1,000 into $100,000 trading cattle futures when she was in Arkansas because she read about it in the Wall Street Journal, which actually had zero coverage of cattle futures at that time. Or maybe it's because she had connections to the state agriculture board and who was actually running all. But Hillary Clinton's a criminal, folks. OK, she's broken plenty of laws. We all know her husband's a fe- it should be a convicted felon for perjury under oath. We all know that, too. But they wanted to lock up Donald Trump's children. They were trying to the Democrats. This is open. You can find this online. They were trying to use state law in New York. Use the district attorney's office here to bring some charge that Donald Trump as president would be unable to pardon them. Right. He couldn't get them out of it. And he wa- they wanted to send Donald Trump Jr., Jared, probably even Ivanka, send him to prison. That's how they play the game. These people, the Democrats, could not be any dirtier in politics at this point. They could not be any more ruthless. They could not be any more underhanded. And they want to lecture Trump on being viciously classless. They have called the president of the United States a traitor, a rapist. Uh, They've said that he is not of sound mind, that he's actually insane. They call him now a white supremacist. They have called him the worst things you can be called in our country with no evidence, with no justification other than orange man bad. They hate him. So whatever they say is justified. And now we're supposed to sit through lectures about decorum. Now we're supposed to pretend that the other side acts in good faith and plays fair. How dumb are we going to be? Look at what Trump has been through. A normal person, a regular person who was put through the kind of pressure he's been under, not just being the president. I'm talking about being a president for whom the opposition views the only remedy as ruination and prison. They haven't even been waiting until the election to try to beat him. It was never about that. It was trying to stop him from getting to reelection, meaning getting to the actual running of a reelection campaign. And throwing him in prison when he was no longer president. That was the plan all along. They have called the president a traitor. One of the worst things you could possibly be. They've never apologized for this evil smear. Not at all. And they just continue on with it. And they're going to lecture us about how the president deals with Joe Biden. A slimy fraud who says whatever he's got to say to get whatever he's got to get. Joe Biden stands for nothing other than the advancement of Joe Biden. And I really mean that. No, is is President Trump a narcissist? Does he want the the grandeur of the? Yeah, absolutely. But Trump also stands for ideas. And I know people could say, oh, well, he's changed from what he was the past. I don't care. He promotes those ideas with policies in office. He's a change from what was there before. And he'll continue to enact those changes if he has four more years in office. We've all seen what's really going on with this pandemic, which they use, of course, as a weapon against President Trump, pretending like the rest of the world hasn't had a terrible time with this as well. It's so unfair. It really is when you think about just politically speaking, how they would have had an impossible uphill climb 
had it not been for the COVID-19 pandemic to convince people that Trump didn't do a great job. The first three years of the Trump presidency were fantastic. Three of the best years I can remember in America. Relative peace, booming economy. Even the New York Times had to correct Joe Biden on saying that Trump inherited a booming economy. False. Some of us remember the Obama economy was the new normal of less than 2% GDP. The new normal of America's best days are behind it. Sorry, guys. Got to redistribute the wealth. It slows things down, make every, makes everyone a little, little less well-off, a little less hopeful. But hey, the slogan's hope and change, so what are you going to do? The, the media tried to convince us that America was no longer capable to try to cover for Obama's ineptitude. The guy doesn't understand economics. He doesn't understand how a business runs. Neither does Joe Biden. But to cover up for that, and the socialism that was dragging us all down that Obama was instituting, they pretended like America was not capable anymore of above 2% GDP growth, uh, GDP growth, that America was no longer capable of the real optimism that people feel like they have a shot, they have a chance going forward. If they do the right things and if they work hard, they will get ahead. We're not all going to be billionaires, but we can all have a better life if we do the right things. That's the American promise. That's the America we all want to live in. And Trump was delivering on that. And now here we are being told that he doesn't care about the covid pandemic, that he's a, that he's a racist, that he's a traitor with this Russia thing. These people are insane. Trump is arguing with a mouthpiece for vicious, sadistic lunacy with Joe Biden. That's what he's arguing with. We're supposed to ask him to play nice. Don't throw any hard punches. It's just words, folks, right? Their words, Trump's words. He can sit there and get abused. You know, he can be like a conservative on CNN. You're just there so they can throw food at you in the cage. That's what they do to people who are conservative at CNN. Or he can try to throw down and he threw down. And yeah, does he sometimes miss the mark? Is, is he sometimes a little scattered? Absolutely. But how many of you would tell a buddy of yours who was in a bar fight outnumbered five to one? Hey, you know, when you grab that when you grab that stool, I don't know if you really had to go there. That guy only had a, a broken glass bottle. Right. I mean, this is what politically speaking, we're in the middle of. It is a street fight. And the other side plays as dirty as they possibly can. They want to lock up Trump's children, for heaven's sakes. And we're, we're going to get complaints from the media because the disaster, the corrupt disaster that is Hunter Biden came up in the debate. What do we really expect? How can we think Trump is going to beat this monstrosity of the Democrat socialist left if we're always telling him fight with one hand behind your back? If we're always telling him that's not that's not, you know, how William F. Buckley would have done it. Trump ain't Trump ain't Buckley. I don't know what else to say. He's doing it his way. Did we think that this fight was not going to get ugly. Just wait until you see what they say about ACB. It may not be able to stop her from becoming a Supreme Court justice, but they have no honor whatsoever. We are fighting a, a political opponent that has reached the heights of dishonor already, does not repudiate any of it and wants to continue down that path. And people are abandoning Trump or 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 angry with Trump, criticizing Trump. Because. He was fighting fire with fire. Friends, we either understand what this fight really means and what the stakes are and what we have to do, or we don't. And we want the president 
to succeed in vanquishing this socialist left enemy once again, or we don't. It's a choice that we all get to make, along with our choice of who to vote for. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. But it was maddening to watch the president last night angry and small, unable to show a scintilla of respect, unable to follow even the most basic rules of human civility or decorum, unwilling to constrain a stream of obvious falsehoods and right-wing bile. Shakespeare summed up in Macbeth Trump's performance last night. A tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Yes, President Trump's debate performance was in the words of Macbeth, a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Thanks for repeating that hackneyed line that we've all heard a million times, Chuck Schumer. Appreciate that, buddy. I'm just playing that for you so you have a reminder of that's who want to play nice. We can get lectures from Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Because if Trump loses, you're also going to see down ballot carnage, most likely. You, you want to have Chuck Schumer telling you what the future of the United States government's going to be uh, looking like and what we're going to be doing? Chuck and Nancy. These are people that I, I have no respect for as people. Never mind their ideas. They're frauds. They are rich elites pretending to care about the poor and minorities because it advances them. That's it. All rooted in hypocrisy, all rooted in do as I do as I tell you to do, not as I would ever do. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't expecting Shakespearean oratory from Donald Trump in the debate. But I was expecting someone like Chuck Schumer to reach all the way back to freshman year English or something to come up with uh, a, a way of calling the president of the United States an idiot. Do you want a president who calls them idiots back? You want a president who, who pulls a Mitt Romney and curls up into a little ball and cries? Answer that for me. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good heavens. Mika over at Morning Joe's just, oh, she's so upset over how terrible, how terrible Trump is and all of those Awful people who like Trump play 20. Uh, how could you watch that and want more of that if you're still thinking about who to vote for? Well, and listen, there's an entire network that is covering this debate as if it was a proud moment for the president. And this situation has gone too far with a bunch of lobotomized hosts and anchors who are just waiting for his phone call. And it's pathetic. Here is the moment when you think about that. And if you think you want to debate that, here is the moment where the president of the United States refused to denounce white supremacist groups. Oh, my gosh, we have to do this again. And, you know, I I told you. I told you many months ago, they're going to recycle everything from 2016 as if we have not learned anything new, as if we have not already been through this, have not debunked some of their claims. We're going to go through all of it again. And we are, you see, Russia collusion, Russian interference in the election. Trump is a white supremacist. Oh, you're going to hear something about the 25th Amendment. Just give it a give it a week or two. 
Right? You're going to hear something about Trump grab them by the P word. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's expected. But we should understand every time that we're we're now having to talk about this and play defense, we should say this is all a plan that they're executing on. None of this is accidental. None of this is meant to be. Oh, and Trump's taxes, of course, coming out right before the debate. Me, a coordinated with the media, a coordinated hit. Obviously, a coordinated hit. So now you have Mika saying that Trump refuses to denounce white supremacists. Um, that's a lie. So, so does it matter that it's a lie? I'm just wondering. Does it matter to anybody? Trump has. You can find it. There's plenty. It's on the record. He, he denounced white supremacists at that press conference after Charlottesville. He has denounced white supremacists many times since then. He said, of course, I will on stage. Just just name them like. But but Trump's point, which anyone who's being honest can see is, why are we even talking about white supremacists? Biden voters, Biden base voters have been terrorizing this country for months like a bunch of little lunatics have been running around lighting people's businesses on fire, looting stores, throwing rocks and bottles full of urine and bags of feces at police officers, shining lasers in their eyes to try to blind them, perhaps permanently. And yes, BLM supporting Democrats have murdered cops. And we're talking about white supremacists. Where, where are these white supremacists that they're what are these white supremacists rally? Where is this happening? Oh, they, they we'll, we'll get into this some more. They bring up the Proud Boys. I believe the, the national head of the Proud Boys is a minority. I, and, and he is on video in other CNN interviews denouncing, uh, denouncing white supremacy, saying we absolutely denounce white supremacy. So the media, it seems, is... You know, they're they're lying about this group. Not that I have any care or connection for this group. Honestly, I think that unfortunately they've played into the left's hands here by creating this opportunity for them to pretend like this. It's almost like a like one of these soccer support uh, support clubs in Europe where they all drink together and like, you know, they'll get into some bar fights and they don't like Antifa. That's from what I've seen. Again, it's it's a it's a loosely affiliated. It is it is an organization. There is a, there is some loose affiliation, but isn't it fascinating? You know, you have to spend all your time denouncing the Proud Boys, and Biden can get away with not saying a, a nasty word about Antifa. It's just an idea, guys. Just an idea. And they're actually a threat to you. What is what is more likely, America, that your business or your home? is going to be mobbed, burned down, and perhaps you and your family violently attacked by the Proud Boys or Antifa? By the Proud Boys or BLM, Black Lives Matter? What's more likely? I know of not a single instance of the Proud Boys looting a store, burning down a building. And now, again, I'm, I'm not saying that their agenda, I don't even really know what their agenda is. I'm just saying, why are we talking about them? The whole national media has been fixated this, fixated on this. And and all the dumbest people in the media, of course, just repeat the, you know, repeat the talk. But Joy Behar 14. Here you go. 
just can I just say one right. thing? So, of course, he doesn't denounce white supremacy, Sonny, because he is a white supremacist. Americans have to decide whether they want a white supremacist in the White House. We've never had it before. Maybe we didn't know we had it, but we certainly know we have it now. Yeah. And that is the decision on November 3rd that must be made. A white supremacist. How is he a white supremacist? Exactly. They never get to this. They say, well, he didn't denounce. He won't denounce. This is the game that they play. It's all so stupid and unseemly. You know, this is the ultimate why, why, uh, or when did you stop beating your wife question? And they ask you that a hundred times, right? Imagine you're in a debate and the moderator kept saying, well, hold on a second. When did you stop beating your wife? And you say, I've never beaten my wife. And that's a horrible question. Five minutes later, can you tell everybody for the record, just can you denounce wife beating for us, please? Yeah, I denounce wife beating. But you see, it's all meant to be insinuation and attack. That's what it is. Denounce it. Trump has denounced it. Why are Republicans always being told they have to denounce white supremacy? Every election this comes up, denounce white supremacy. You're like not going to be able to rent a home, get a job or be safe in public if you're an actual white supremacist. But we're going to pretend that this is some big problem across the country. We're going to pretend like this is an ideology that has widespread support and that we have to be so worried about. But, you know, the left, the left believes in this fantasy. I mean, they're really out of their minds. They think that after months of cities being terrorized by Democrat Black Lives Matter supporters, that has been happening. That happened in my neighborhood. It wasn't the Proud Boys breaking windows, looting stores in my neighborhood, okay? I'm just living in reality here, folks. It was BLM. It was Antifa. And yet we're told the real, the real threat is the Proud Boys, and that the president hasn't done enough, uh, hasn't done enough to denounce. I, I give credit, you know, we had Hogan Gidley on the show earlier. By the way, it'll never be enough. He can never denounce them enough. They, they just want to keep, that becomes their evidence for, for the accusation, right? If, if you called somebody a, a, uh, a child molester, right? If you made that allegation against somebody, and you had no evidence for it, which would be a horrendous thing to do. But this is what the Democrats call media and politics. If you called someone a child molester, which is you know, really the worst thing that there could possibly be, and you have no evidence for it, uh, you could always just keep saying, well, that person hasn't. I mean, they ha- he hasn't denounced being a child molester enough. He hasn't denounced child molestation enough, hasn't denounced it. And notice how that that then it, it dirties you up, right? You're, you haven't denounced it enough. What the heck does it have to do with with the person being accused? Right. We haven't denounced it enough. It's all slime. It smears. It's the it's the trick of the propagandist. That's what they're doing with all of this. This is what this is all they know. They don't know how to be honest and truthful and brave and courageous and decent and kind. And the left wing media, that's all laughable to them. They have no God other than the paychecks they receive from their corporate institutions and whatever opinion among left wing Twitter is at any point in time. That, that's what really matters to them. Uh, Hogan Gidley, fortunately, is not going to just sit around and take this stuff. Here he is talking uh, to Berman over at CNN, one of uh, Zucker's 
many puppet anchors over there. Here he is on the history of Joe Biden when it comes to race. Play two. He said, sure, he said, sure, three times. He has done it in the past multiple times. I don't know how many ways you want him to say it and how many times you want him to say it. Do you have any idea, John, what an exalted cyclops of the KKK is? Because Joe Biden sure does. He spoke at a funeral for one and praised him profusely. Any idea who George Wallace is? Joe Biden sure does. Yeah. He thanked so, the person so, who so gave listen. him the award so listen, for George Wallace's name. So listen, any idea what a racial so, jungle is? So listen, it's what Hogan. Joe Biden doesn't I, you know, want his kids Hogan, to grow up Hogan, in. Hogan, Joe Biden's record Hogan, on race is Hogan, absolutely disgusting. Hogan, Joe Biden, Donald Trump Joe Biden was opening defend, up his properties Biden, to African Joe Americans and Jewish people his while you were still in local television Joe news, John. You know, one the thing, fact Hogan, is this one thing, Hogan, has a record of respect Hogan, and understanding Hogan, these groups Hogan, like nobody Hogan, else. I'm Hogan, sorry, I'm not going to sit here Hogan, and let you call the president Joe Biden of the United can States a racist when he is the only one. He is the only one. Yes, and I'm here to tell you that record which CNN refuses to Notice what CNN does here. They, they know that, you know, Berman knows he's getting steamrolled. So he just he, he engages in intentional crosstalk to, to muddy up the message. Wait, what? What? Hogan, 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 Hogan. The guy's talking. He's your guest. You're on TV. Shut up. He knows. Otherwise, he's going to get a call from Zucker's office. Hey, you can't let that Trump campaign press secretary roll you like that. Not on our air. This is team Biden land, folks. This is it's it's Biden country over at CNN. We all know that <laughs> that couldn't be more, any more obvious. But Joe Biden's history with all these issues is uh, quickly forgotten. His vice president basically called him a racist. I mean, maybe not quite a full on racist, but like kind of some racisty stuff. That was his vice president. And Democrats were all cheering for it at the time. But you see, when a Democrat calls another Democrat a racist, uh, that's just. That's just all in all's fair in politics, right? They don't mean it. When they call a Republican a racist, it's your life should be ruined. Oh, they will absolutely find a way to call Amy Coney Barrett a racist. Amy Coney Barrett, mother of seven, including two adopted children from Haiti, a racist. It's going to happen. Get ready for that. These people have no shame. You have a lot of deeply narcissistic but wildly insecure people who work in the media that are supposed to be bringing the American people the truth and honesty and facts. And what they really do is promote not just themselves, of course, but promote this left wing belief system under the under the guise of objective journalism. And you'll see that in in ways over the next few weeks that no matter how prepared for it you are, it'll still make you want to spew on your shoes. So just get ready for it. It's going to get ugly, folks. Trump is not going to be able to uh, play this game delicately. You know, this is this is not a three point contest. This is down in the paint, throwing elbows and people might want to put on a mouthpiece. That's the political contest we are in between now and not just November 3rd, but whatever comes after it, because I don't think this election is going to be decided on November 3rd. I think we're going to go into a very dark period for the country of Weeks of wrangling and fighting and lawsuits over all these ballots and all this, which Democrats have absolutely planned every step of the way. So I want you all prepared for this. I don't want you surprised as this happens. You know, I'm not always right, but on the big stuff, pretty much always right. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Oh, man. CNN, I swear, that's the it's the worst media outlet in the country. Wall to wall white supremacy. Watch uh, over at CNN. I mean, oh, my gosh, this is what everyone's supposed to be terrified of the the what is ninety nine point nine percent imaginary white supremacy threat that is out there. There, there. there are there are no white supremacy groups that are marching through the streets, attacking people. This is all crazy. Everyone hates white supremacists. No one likes white supremacists. What What are they even talking about? Oh, my God. Oh, well, CNN, here you go. They got another one of their little little flax doing the usual. Play uh, eight here. It's kind of like Trump's very occasional condemnation of Russian election interference, done reluctantly, under duress, to compensate for constantly refusing to confront Vladimir Putin. For example, after his both sides comments, Trump did give a good speech in which he condemned racist groups. Afterwards, according to Bob Woodward, the president said, that was the biggest mistake I've made and the worst speech I've ever given. Look, from the Trump family's apparent refusal to rent to black families in the 70s to Michael Cohen hearing him say of post-apartheid South Africa, Mandela f***ed the whole country up, to his defense of Confederate flags and monuments, it's easy to see an ugly pattern. Even noticed at DHS, where some were concerned that political rhetoric used by the president has been viewed by some violent white supremacists as a call to violent action. I mean, they're just they're dirtying the guy up. But what is it the, the Trump family refusal in the in, in the 70s? Who, who refused and what were the grounds and what, what exactly? But note, you, you can't even keep up with all of this. What Joe Biden did in the 70s, you know, that, 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 come on, it was a long time ago. But this Trump allegation, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Throwing all this together. Oh, and Michael Cohen hearsay. There you go. Michael Cohen, the grossest, biggest liar imaginable. And it is to the president's discredit that he had him as his lawyer as long as he did. But, you know, nobody's perfect. Oh, but Michael Cohen said the president said something about men about Mandela. And so and so now we're supposed to believe the president's a racist always and forever. I mean, <laughs> it's you know, look at the stuff they point to. If he were such a racist, they wouldn't have to keep lying about what he said at Charlottesville. Now, yeah, I mean, the president's obviously frustrated with that because he, you know, was imprecise. He truly was just imprecise in his language. He did clarify it during that speech, but they just seized on it. But the the libs are so desperate while they're seizing all all this authority and power with government and they're engaging in the creation of a legal system of racial hierarchy in this country. You just had Gavin Newsom sign a bill in California, uh, I think yesterday, that says that you have to have a minority on the board of a company that's based in California. What? what that's that's the quota. This is illegal. I mean, the Supreme Court's going to shred this eventually, but it'll take a while. While that's all going on, we're supposed to believe that the president is a secret white supremacist. Hmm. Also, remember, if you listen to Joe Biden, according to Democrats, our entire system is racist and there's white supremacy all throughout it. Everything. The judicial system, law enforcement, schools, everything. Everything is white supremacist. So they're living in a, in a world in which it's, it is, by definition, impossible not to be surrounded by systems of white supremacy. And so what are we supposed to do exactly? Oh, well, we all know what the answer is, right? Just submit. Put the left in charge. Let them make all the decisions for you. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
should stop defunding the police like they've done in New York, like they've done in New York. I just told you. I've always denounced any form, any form, any form of any of that you have to denounce. But I also, Joe Biden has to say something about Antifa. It's not a philosophy. These are people that hit people over the head with baseball bats. He's got to come out and he's got to be strong. And he's got to condemn Antifa. And it's very important that he does it. I condemn white supremacy, the president says in his Trumpian way, but he says it very clearly. You have to denounce it. Of course, you denounce it. You have to denounce any form of white supremacy. Do you think that's going to stop the questions? This is this is the classic media bias at work. Imagine if Joe Biden said if if he was willing to answer the question about court packing and he gave a very clear, very decisive answer. No, I will not pack the Supreme Court. And then everywhere he went for the next month, journalists were shouting, are you going to break constitutional norms by packing the Supreme Court? You'd say, what's wrong with these journalists? Are are they are they hard of hearing or something? What's the why? Why don't they they didn't catch what the president said? It's already or rather what Biden said. It's already been made clear. But the point is not getting an answer. The question is an allegation. You all know what this means. You all know what this is like. And that's the whole point. This is the media doing Biden's work for him, which we all knew was going to happen. We all knew that was the case. And they certainly aren't going to try to promote Joe Biden's record. What is the great thing? This is a little bit like the. The aha moment when Hillary Clinton was secretary of state and one of her uh, spokespersons was asked to name, I, was a, I think it was one of the uh, State Department press secretary people, was asked to name one of the accomplishments of Hillary Clinton's time as secretary of state. And it was crickets chirping. I mean, there was nothing. You know, there was just, a, you know, oh, she flew a lot. Oh, you mean the giant private jet, which I've been on, that the Secretary of State has? It's very nice. You mean that she used that a lot at taxpayer expense to go on trips where people threw parties for her and she got to sit in meetings? Gee, we should all be so thankful for her service. But the, the real point was that there was nothing. They had nothing to say. And one of the problems that Joe Biden has, and, and would be a big problem if the media was willing to focus on it, is that... His record is one of just I mean, Joe Biden, in a sense, is the ultimate mediocrity. You know, I mean, he really reminds me of like Bill Paxton's character from True Lies. who's like, you know, hey, man, you know, you know, this is the Corvette. I got a few other interested buyers. You know, that's that's really who Joe Biden is. It's just all kind of BS. And Trump calls him out on this because the media is certainly not going to do it. Play 18. Last night, I did what the corrupt media has refused to do. I held Joe Biden accountable for his 47 years of lies, 47 years of betrayal, and 47 years of failure. I held Joe accountable for shipping your jobs and dreams abroad and for bowing to the violent mob at home. Can you imagine these people, the way they take over these Democrat cities? I don't even believe it. The whole nation saw the truth. Did you see last night? Name one. I said... Sleepy Joe, name one law enforcement group that supports you. And then Chris Wallace says, don't do that. That's not. Can you believe this guy? I was debating two people last night. 
I mean, he was debating two people. And it, it was the worst performance by a debate moderator I've ever seen. It was even worse than Candy Crowley's. Oh, I'm sure he did say um, he, he said, I'm sorry, uh, President Obama said it was terrorism. No, it's not actually true. But that's what she said in that Mitt Romney debate. You'll remember uh, this is even worse. I mean, the Chris Wallace debate was even worse. And it just goes to show you, even at that level, you've got a huge institution behind you and you're getting paid millions of dollars and they can have anybody they want do that debate. And they did not choose wisely. So Biden's record is something that we're just going to be we're not even going to be told to forget about it. They're just not going to bring it up because what exactly is it? He was VP for for eight years, completely riding on Obama's coattails. And what was the the big thing that he did? What was the big accomplishment that he had? You know, you'd say, Buck, OK, what about any vice president? Well, I think if you look at Dick Cheney, the problem that we were told was that he was actually running the government. So I don't think anyone would say Dick Cheney didn't do anything when he was vice president under Bush. And you look at Pence right now, he's running the coronavirus task force. One of the biggest parts of that has been supplies for the different states and institutions that are trying to deal with this pandemic. And the supply chain has been exceptional. There's been no shortages that have not been met. There's been no uh, cupboard is bare. Sorry, you know. With the ventilators, with the PPE, all these things we heard about. No, the coronavirus task force and the Defense Production Act, that's all been used. So if you really look at what Pence's role is on the coronavirus task force, he's done a very he's done a very good job. And that would be one thing. He's only been VP for almost four years now. That would be one thing that you would certainly point to. Uh, But with Biden and and you're going to continue to see this play out. The whole point is that they just know his name. They know his face and he's there. That's something I've come across in media where there are people who no one really understands what they're good at, uh, but they put themselves in a good position and they've you know clung to someone who is actually talented and made sure they either are right before or right after that talent. And after a while, enough people just get used to seeing that guy or gal's face and or voice, you know, hearing their voice. And you're just like, OK, I mean, you know, it's ha- we're all creatures of habit, right? We're all there's a reason why when I'm folding laundry, I'll throw on some show on Netflix that I've seen a hundred times and kind of half watch in the background because there's a comfort to just I've already seen this, but I'm going to, you know, we, we, we like what we're used to. And Joe Biden, for all of his obvious flaws and all the downside for a lot of people, they're just like, well, you know, he's been around and guy hasn't. He hasn't nuked Switzerland, so, you know, how bad can he really be? You know, Trump, they might say, is a little bit of a, of a departure from norms, right? He's a little bit aggressive, whatever it is. And so that's the whole pitch here. You either hate Trump, which is 47 percent, 48 percent of people who vote Democrat. I mean, they, and they've actually just been trained to hate him, not to disagree with him not to view him as someone who can be a little rough around the edges or that they just don't like what he stands for on policy. They they have a personal disdain for him, which is why people on the left think it's totally normal to find out that someone's a Trump supporter and to hate that person, too, because you're supporting a person that they deeply uh, despise as an individual. It's not even just, oh, well, you, you know, you're a Republican, you support the Republican president. It's you support Trump. I hate Trump. That's their attitude. That's the way that they view all of this. 
And with Biden, it's, oh, Joe, he's supposed to be inoffensive. He's almost innocuous. You know, he's an old guy. He's up there saying, I'm just we're going to build back better and all this stuff. I mean, we saw the Obama-Biden economy was garbage. It was bad compared to what it should have been based on all the metrics, all the numbers. It was a slow, bad recovery. Why? Because Obama and Biden think that taking money from people, other people, of course, they're Obama and Biden are both super rich themselves, of course. But taking money from other people and, and spreading it around via government is just the right thing to do. Remember when Obama said that? It's the right thing to do. So that's what you do, even if it means that people are going to invest less, hire fewer people, spend uh, spend less money, you know, on on long term investments. That That's that's what they want. That's what they think feels right to them. And even if it means everyone is worse off collectively throughout the economy, it's it's about the moral choice. And remember, socialism is really a, a religious creed without God. I mean, it's it's all about what the people in charge think feels fair. It, it goes against human nature, which is why socialism ultimately everywhere where it's tried in its totality, it fails miserably. You can have some socialist sectors within a broader, more free market economy, and the free market will prop up enough the socialist entities within it. But if you go full socialist, the whole thing collapses. But we don't even have really this discussion. I mean, is, is Joe Biden is Joe Biden a socialist, folks? This is a question that we should ask. I mean, is he on because the Democratic Party is. Bernie Sanders is. But what is Joe Biden? What, what, what does he really stand for as a politician? And just even the issue of the Green New Deal, for example, uh, it's not clear. I mean, he said that he wasn't for it, but his website says, no, it's built around the Green New Deal. So this is what you're, this is exactly the approach. They want to have it both ways. He is both for and against the Green New Deal, just like with John Kerry. Remember, Mr. Flip Flop, John Kerry? I was for I was for the Iraq war uh, before I was against it. Right. Remember that? This is this is how they play the game. They cannot be straightforward with the American people about what they want to do because the American people would reject their they would reject their plans. They'd reject their policies. Uh, this this is why Chuck Schumer says about the Green New Deal and, and Joe Biden the following play 11. We first have to elect a majority. If we don't elect a majority, we won't even be discussing it. But if we do elect a majority, we'll all get together and everything will be on the table. Nothing will be off the table. On climate, um, the bottom line is we are looking already at ways we can get comprehensive climate legislation done. And there are a variety of different ways, and we're exploring all of them. It is one of our highest priorities, and we are going to get something very strong and bold done. Comprehensive climate legislation. That should terrify you. Just going to be massive giveaways to the government, to left-wing advocacy groups. It's going to just annoy you for no purpose. It's going to be mask mandates times a thousand. That's what you're going to see with comprehensive climate legislation if they get it. Oh, if, if you don't, you know, if you don't recycle, you're a bad person and we have to we have to punish you. You're not allowed to get the car you want anymore. You're going to get the car that we tell you you have to get. Your electricity bills are going to go up. Sorry. Got to have more renewables. Oh, you have less money to pay for essentials like groceries and healthcare. Too bad. The planet's at stake. 
Get ready for it. This is the left's real religion. I wish the Christians and the other the other believers, uh, you know, believers in in God on the left would wake up because they're just uh, they're they're an afterthought. The real God on the left, or rather, the the real religion is climate change, and the real God is Earth. That's that's the truth. It's really a pagan, it's really a pagan belief system. The Democrats adhere to now. I, I just it's very clear. Just break it all down. You see it. Chuck Schumer's got no problem with any of it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I'll protect your right to health care and build on and improve the Affordable Care Act. And I'll always tell you the truth. I'll always care about you, whether you vote for me or not. If elected, I'm not going to be a Democratic president. I'm going to be an American president. Whether you voted for me or not, I'm going to be your president. And I'll never forget the people, the working people of this country, because that's where I come from. Whether you vote for me or not, I'm going to be your president. I do think the Democrats, uh, that is their plan. Whether the American people actually choose Biden or not, they're going to try to make him the president. I think that that's (laughs) unintentionally uh, tipping the hand a little bit or speaking an unintentional truth there. It doesn't matter who the American people really want. They're getting Joe Biden one way or the other. I I think that is the plan. We saw the most recent uh, undercover journalism of of the ballot harvesting in Minnesota. I'm, I'm sure similar things are happening elsewhere and there's so much more both errors and fraud in, in the election than anybody realizes at, at, at this point. But it, no one's no one's going to uh, blow the whistle on it right now because they're just hoping that it helps. It helps Biden win in, in some way. Oh, it's all it's all so reckless and crazy, isn't it? But Biden as a uniter. Is so interesting. Did Biden unite when he was the vice president? I mean, was the Obama administration about bringing America together? I think we have to go back and and remember this. I I think that there's going to be a little bit of, uh, well, not selective amnesia from the Democrat. They're just going to I mean, the media is going to lie about this stuff. But I I do recall, I mean, I, I do look back now and see that the Obama administration's attitude was we won, you lost, deal with it. That was the Obama administration's attitude from day one across the board for eight years. We have power. You don't suck it up. We don't care. How many how many Republican votes? I mean, there are 435 members of the United States Congress. How many Republican votes were there for Obamacare? Zero. Zero. And and Obamacare, as you know, really ended up doing some things it did not get to universal coverage it was largely an expansion of medicaid and also an intrusion into the individual marketplace the only thing anybody thinks about or knows about obamacare these days though is oh pre-existing conditions people forget the true pre-existing conditions that would be considered uninsurable except in very special high-risk pools uh, are are very rare now that doesn't mean that those people should be left to fend for themselves quite the opposite but there's this belief. I think Biden even said that there's like 100 million pre-existing conditions or you know, Democrats used to say that being a woman is a pre-existing condition. I mean, it's just nonsense. That's actually not pre-existing conditions. I do wish that the Trump campaign would come forward with a, a more definitive health care plan. But, you know, John McCain didn't want to help uh, get the Trump plan through the first time. Remember that? Nope. Didn't want to do it. 
And so the Republicans, when they had the House and the Senate, were unable to get through uh, the kind of legislation that would have really been meaningful. Now, they also left the filibuster in place. So I think what Democrats plan to do is to get rid of the filibuster and then do whatever they want. But Biden was a part of an administration that was very divisive. And and I'm not going to pretend like the Trump administration isn't isn't divisive. Uh, but this this idea that Biden's a, a great uniter and going to bring everyone together based in what? Why should anyone believe that? I mean, he's saying all the most horrible things possible about President Trump. What is it exactly that makes him any different from these other Democrats who suffer from Trump derangement syndrome and take a scorched earth approach to everything that they're doing in politics these days? You know, the, the, the derangement is very real among Democrats when it comes to Trump. It has spread very far. And it even existed at the top of the FBI. Theo, you asked for a miracle. I give you the FBI. And James Comey used to run the FBI, which should make everybody really, con- really concerned about the uh, chief federal law enforcement agency in the United States. I, I don't think. I don't think it's possible to know that Comey was running that thing and feel like uh, that was a, that was good. I think that that's um, big problem. So just, just going to put that out there. James Comey, Sancta Comey, this giant, unself-conscious weirdo. Um, he he is both a giant weirdo and a giant who is a weirdo. He, he testified yesterday and he did the usual, the, the, the Comey two-step, the Potomac two-step, Jack. He did the Comey two-step where he's just, you know, I, oh, I, I don't recall. Oh, I just, you know, he, he answers all these questions, too, like he's a, he's a monk and he's in the monastery or something. He's like, he's like, well, that's a very, that's a very interesting philosophical question. Did I, in fact, lie on that sheet about whether or not this person was a, a Russian asset? I I, I cannot really recall right now, sir, the statement that you're, you know, it's all very games. It's, it's just playing games. It's all obvious when you listen to this guy, the way that he does this. Play 13. Here's Comey yesterday. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the top of the line break, how would you rank, rate the Crossfire hur- Hurricane investigation in terms of being done thoroughly? by the book, an investigation the FBI should be proud of. I'm not sure I can apply a number scale, but I would say in the main, it was done by the book. It was appropriate and it was essential that it be done. Okay. So you're proud of it. Overall, I'm proud of the work. There are parts of it that are concerning, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But overall, I'm proud of the work. Overall, he's proud of it. Of, of course he is. What a what a disgrace. Proud of the investigation of the Trump campaign for Russia ties that did not exist. Proud of the lives ruined as a result of this uh, this fairy tale that Donald Trump worked with the Russians. You know, does he want to sit down? I would really love to have Roger Stone get to sit at a table with James Comey and have him say that he's proud of the work that Crossfire Hurricane did. And then, of course, the. Follow up special counsel investigation, sending dozens of agents into Roger Stone's home at 5 a.m. Remember, no knock warrants are horrible, but sending a SWAT team in to get Roger Stone at 5 a.m. 
for uh, not, you know, this guy's a senior citizen. It's a completely nonviolent, non-threatening BS crime to begin with. Um, yes, you, okay, you cannot lie under oath, but he never should have been asked the questions in the first place. So you can't lie under oath, but let's let's keep this in perspective. <sighs> Comey, he's going to skate, folks. I, I know there are people that will go on air and they will tell you, oh, James Comey is going to, he's going to get his one day. He already got his, like a $2 million advance for his book. And James Comey's doing just fine. He's, he's, do, he's doing great, actually. Despite all the stuff that he's, now people know who are paying attention, who know what he's really all about and what kind of a person he is. But it's got to be honest with you, folks. James Comey is, uh, he's going to get away with it. So make it, 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 it a bitter thing for me to have to say, but he's going to get away with it. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to get a word straight from the campaign about what they're planning, how they're feeling, and what's coming up next. And for that, we have Mark Lauder with us now. He is the Director of Strategic Communications for the Trump campaign. Mark, great to have you back. Thanks for having me, Buck. So first, tell me, you know, how, how was your debate night? Where were you? What were your big takeaways as somebody who's doing strategic comms for the campaign? Yeah, I was in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin at a minor league baseball stadium with about 400 people who came out in 50-degree weather to watch it. And you'd have thought a baseball game was going on. There was so much hooting and hollering and cheering, uh, even a few boos. <laughs> uh, but they were excited, and they left that, they left that debate. And, and they were telling me that what we saw in President Trump and his battle with Joe Biden and even with Chris Wallace was the same man they want fighting for their jobs and fighting for America and fighting for our interests first. And what they saw was that fighter. And, I, and they left they left fired up, energized and ready to go to work. What were the top issues? I'm sure this this must have come up in your conversations, either from you asking them or just I, I would assume people would tell you. You know, what do they want to hear more about from the president or what are the areas where going forward do you think the campaign is going to put the greatest focus? Well, I think that you know, most people are, you know, are shocked when they hear the actual record of Joe Biden and his 47 years of failure in Washington, D.C. And the president highlighted that during the debate. And, you know, a lot of people didn't remember that Joe Biden voted for NAFTA, which shipped jobs overseas and was a champion of TPP and a, a cheerleader for China in the World Trade Organization, which cost Americans their jobs. And that's a very blue collar community. And I'm in Iowa right now again blue collar, you know, agriculture, and they know that President Trump is fighting for them. They want to hear more about the president's plans. But they also are, are learning a lot about Joe Biden that they forgot and how he really put their interests, their jobs, their families at risk. Now, Mark, uh, we're speaking to Mark Lauder, director of strategic communications for the Trump campaign. Mark, the constant asking of the same question. I, I've been telling the audience today on the show, it's very clear to me why this is done right it's very clear to me that this is meant to be you know when did you stop beating your wife essentially but you know you, you do strategic communications is there a point at which you know what, what can be done to counter the will you denounce white supremacist question when the president has now answered this so many times and denounced so many times that you have to wonder what the heck is wrong with the journalist asking the question yeah, you wonder if the, the mainstream media and the liberals will ever take yes for the answer. 
because he keeps saying it over and over again. I remember this question in the 2016 campaign, and he denounced it. I remember it in the White House, and he denounced it, and he denounced it again. And yet they just won't take yes for an answer. Uh, And so it's just their way of trying to create this fake distraction because they know that Joe Biden's campaign is imploding. They know that he he showed America uh, on that debate stage that he couldn't condemn Antifa. It's not an idea that was rioting, looting and and arson in our major cities. It was a group of that is organized in terror that was doing those things. And Joe Biden can't even condemn that. And so what we see is that they'll just continue to focus on whatever they want to focus on trying to help Joe Biden. Uh, but it's really a disservice to the American people. Can you give us some sense of of what you, what the campaign, how the campaign is going to respond to this new debate format? And and is there you know, tell me what you think about that. And also, is it a serious possibility that the Biden camp may pull out of one or both of the next debates in your mind? Well, you never know when it comes to their, to, to their plans. I mean, obviously, they do not, they've done everything possible to try to hide and shield Joe Biden from the American people. And you've already, before the first debate, had a lot of Democrat leaders saying he shouldn't debate at all because they were worried about, you know, about Joe Biden continuing to look bad on a national stage. But, it, I mean, as our campaign has said, I mean, this is just another example of the mainstream media, the liberals in Washington, D.C., the swamp, changing the rules whenever their candidate you know, gets pasted like he did by by Donald Trump. And so here we go again. They're going to try to change the debate rules in midstream just because their preferred candidate did badly. Is that a negotiation? How does that work with this commission on debates? They go to both the campaigns. I mean, just just give us a little bit of a, of a peek behind the curtain with that. I mean, can you guys say, no, we're we're not going to have mics cut off by I, I don't know if the next debate moderator has he has he already been picked. Who is it? Because whoever it is, I'm probably not going to trust the person. Well, I forget the name, but they've already been named. Uh, and I do know that uh, Susan Page from USA Today will be actually deba- moderating the vice presidential debate on Wednesday. But there's ongoing discussions with the campaigns on this, as you saw in the run up to uh, to Tuesday's ca- uh, debate. You know, we were obviously asking, could would Joe Biden at least let us look to make sure he's not wearing an earpiece? So we know that he's not getting fed the answers or fed one liners from the uh, from uh, from his team backstage. They refused that. They had asked for multiple breaks during a 90 minute debate, something that we had refused. So there's always those on uh, ongoing discussions. I'm not going to get involved, obviously, in what currently is being done, because I'm actually on the road here with the vice president uh, in Iowa and not in Washington, D.C., uh, next to where all those discussions are happening. Speaking of Mark Lauder, director of strategic communications, for the Trump campaign, uh, you mentioned the VP. You're on the road with them now. Give us a look ahead to what the what the VP is going to be doing to make his his case for the administration across the country and what the American people will be seeing, at least those of us who care about what the Trump campaign is doing uh, for the next week or two. Well, you, you know, we're going to keep on the road, and it's not just uh, here, like in Iowa today, with the vice president, where he'll he'll not only be talking to the people of Iowa, but there is a a key congressional district in uh, in Nebraska, which is obviously right next door, that also is important to us retaking control of the House of Representatives. But it's also important in the Electoral College because of the way Nebraska is one of those unique states. There's only two that actually awards their uh, Electoral College votes a little differently than everyone else. So that's it's a very important stop here you're going to continue to see the president out on the road i mean and we also have bus tours i'm getting ready to get on one across the the state of iowa for three days myself 
you're going to see not only the president, the vice president, but key campaign officials, the president's children out there in those battleground states. And, you know, Joe Biden might call them. He called a breakfast lid, you know, apparently a little after 11 o'clock today. It's like we're going to be out there working full time. Nobody can keep up with President Trump, but we're going to do our best to try. You're a professional. You work in this area. I just got to ask. This calling of lids by the Biden campaign, uh, how unusual is this and what the heck is going on? Well, you really have to ask yourself. I mean, obviously, it's clear what their strategy is. They just don't want to make any news. I mean, that's why you get Joe Biden out there not even answering a question from Chris Wallace about what he thinks about packing the court. And it's interesting that he says it's a distraction created by President Trump. No, it's a distraction created by his party. It was his party's leaders who are talking about nothing being off the table, eliminating the filibuster, eliminating the Electoral College, packing the Supreme Court. I mean, just like what we're seeing going on with these debates, they're just willing to change the rules whenever they don't get the outcome that they like they're like children you know they don't like it they'll take their ball and go home and so we're not going to fall for that we're going to continue asking those questions we're going to continue getting out there talking to the people there's hundreds upon hundreds of people that come out thousands for the president and for the vice president but even with our bus tours we're getting hundreds of people we're out there knocking on doors reaching voters directly where they live. And there is such energy to elect this president. Uh, you know, it, it, things are looking very good for us and continuing to improve. Base turnout or independence? What do you think when all said and done is going to be the the uh, defining category for who wins this election? Well, I think it's all of the above. Uh, I mean, obviously, we want to make sure that we get everybody out from uh, that supports this president, loves this country and make sure they get out their vote and make sure it gets counted. Uh, you know, independence, they're, they're going to make their decision. And typically they make their decision late in the process. We're going to continue fighting for them as well, because the choice here is stark. I mean, we are a recovering economy from the pandemic and we've still got a ways to go. But we are on the road ahead of where we should have been. And yet Joe Biden is talking out there about putting four trillion dollars in taxes on the economy and taking away, uh, you know, uh, adding a bunch of new regulations. That's not the way to keep the economy growing. That's going to put it back into a tailspin. And so I think a lot of people out there notice that they know that Joe Biden has said he wants to shut it all down again. That's not what America wants. They want to get back out there to work. They want to get back out there to school. And they know that President Trump's the only one who's doing it. Yeah, I hope everybody remembers one area where Joe Biden does have considerable expertise is in weak economic recoveries. <laughs> so he's, he's got some <laughs> well, ability on that one. Mark Lotter, everybody, director of strategic uh, communications for the Trump campaign. Mark, good luck out there. Give the vice president my best. And thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, Buck. Good to talk to you again. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Friends, there's no good faith reason to ask a question over and over again when you don't plan to accept the answer, no matter how many times it's given. But our media doesn't care. That's why our national media is uh, unsalvageable. Kaylee McEnany, though, she's uh, smacking some fools around today at the White House on exactly this issue. We're going to we're going to let you really hear this. We're going to air out this exchange. Let you really uh, get into this. Play it statement without ambiguity or deflection. 
as the person who speaks for the president, does the president denounce white supremacism and groups that espouse it in all their forms? This has been answered yesterday by the president himself, the day before by the president himself on the debate stage. The president was asked this. He said, sure, three times. Yesterday, he was point blank, blank asked, do you uh, denounce white supremacy? And he said, I've always denounced any form of that. I can go back and read for you um, in August 2019 in one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. In August of 2017, racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups. I have an entire list of these quotes that I can go through with you. He has condemned white supremacy more than any president in modern history. Just to clear it up this morning, can you, naming it, make a declarative statement that you denounce, that the president denounces it? I just did. Uh, The president has denounced this repeatedly. The The president was asked this. You're making, you're contriving a storyline and a narrative. I'm just asking you to put this to rest. I just did. I read you all of the quotes, and if you need to see them in writing, I will put them in an email. Paula. So, Haley, can can you right now denounce white supremacy and the groups that espouse The president has denounced white supremacy, the KKK, and hate groups in all forms. He signed a resolution to that effect. Uh, The president just last week, perhaps you all weren't covering it, but just last week expressed his desire to see the KKK prosecuted as domestic terrorists. This president uh, had advocated for the death penalty for a white supremacist, the first federal execution in 17 years. His record on this is unmistakable, and it's shameful that the media refuses to cover it. Yes. Thank you. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. Yes. It is shameful. Enough is enough. Right? At, at what point is it too clear, is it too obvious that they don't care what he says? It doesn't matter how many times the president comes out and tells everybody, of course, I denounce white supremacy. Oh, my gosh. It's exhausting. But they're crazy. They're deranged. That's the problem. They have Trump derangement syndrome. It's not just a clever name. It refers to something. It refers to a state of mind, to a a situation. And they simply do not do not want to um, let this go. They, They don't want to let it go. And so they continue to hammer the president. on this. It's it's embarrassing for the media, but they have no integrity to protect. I'm glad Kaylee's finally just, you know, because then the news story is White House, you know, finally denounces white supremacy. No, they denounced it a ton of times already. My God. I mean, white supremacy is a hated thing in America. White supremacy is denounced. It is despised. You will suffer uh, severe professional and personal consequences for your support of it if you actually are a real white supremacist, right? I mean, so this is all just, it's just nonsense. This, this make-believe problem that there's a president who is a white supremacist who won't, who won't denounce it. But they look, look what they do. They force, uh, it forces people to be on defense. But this is just like the way the libs call everybody they don't like a racist. You're a racist. I'll prove you're not. Well, you can't, right? You're a racist. Prove you're not. You know, oh, you're a racist. You know, you, you probably don't even have, you know, they'll say to you, you probably don't even have any black friends. You say, actually, my, my, you know, my best friend is black. Oh, so you have a black friend. Like, that proves you're not a racist. You can't win, no matter what. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They don't care. It's just all uh, a way of expressing their rage and disdain 
and everything else about it. Oh, we just we just want to get it on the record. We, ju- we just want it to be on the record. It's on the record a million times. It's ridiculous, and we're all sick of it. But unfortunately, there's going to be more of this. Next week, I think, there'll be, mo- there'll be some revelation about Russia, you know, Russia interference in the election, and then they'll start talking again about Trump refuses to confront Putin. As if people living in suburban Ohio are supposed to be up late at night wondering about uh, what, what the president is doing to upset Vladimir Putin. Putin is not a threat to you, folks. Putin is not, you know, going to he's not invading. He's not going to crash the U.S. stock market. He's not. I mean, what is this? The, the country that we need to be concerned about that has tremendous influence here, that is that is silencing U.S. industry and silencing the conversation in this country in ways that suits its totalitarian regime is China. Who wants to confront China? Donald Trump. They always say he's such a friend to authoritarians. Really? Because the only authoritarian regime that's a real long-term strategic threat to the United States is the one that Donald Trump was willing to do things that no president before him with them in the modern history of China or the you know post-World War II history of China. No president before him has been willing to do. And yet they act like he's such a, a friend to dictators. Uh, that's amazing. Look, I, do I wish the president had taken a different approach with Kim Jong-un? Yeah, but... That's a problem. It's just not going to get fixed. We're not going to fix that problem. The next administration is not going to fix it. The administration after that's not going to fix it. Uh, North Korea is an anomaly in the world. And at some point, it'll hopefully just start to change and turn into something else. But no administration has had any success in changing that situation. And, you know, Trump thought he would take a different approach. Maybe he was wrong. Fine. But this is where we are. All right. This is the situation in which we find ourselves now I, i'm just i'm so sick of of all the bs i really am all the bs around this can we have a conversation about what's going to be better for people that are trying to you know run a small business can we have a conversation about changing college and and our whole system so that people aren't going deep into debt to do that not not, not to have the government write checks for it all should we even be going to school for four years all the no Instead, it's uh, let's let's have a, a week long chat about whether Trump is a racist for the millionth time when he's not a racist. And the people saying so are just liars. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Team Buck, our buddy David Harsanyi is with us now. He is a senior writer over at National Review. You can check out his latest at nationalreview.com. David, good to have you back, sir. Always good to be here. Thank you, Buck. So what do we know about Joe Biden now that perhaps we didn't know before the debate? Or what do we know about him in general, David? I think it's an interesting question to really ask and dive into. (laughs) Well, we know very little about the new Joe Biden because uh, he's basically put a lid on the past. He doesn't really support any of the major bills or policies he supported for 37 years in the Senate or whatever it was, or even really among, you know, at the uh, when he was in the Obama administration. I think almost every position he has is staked to the left as far as positions are staked at all, because he has this weird thing where he concurrently has two positions. So he'll be on the in the on the debate stage and say, oh, I don't support the Green New Deal. And then on his campaign page, it says that his uh, environmental policy will is framed around that the Green New Deal. So um, 
we don't know anything and no one really seems to. I mean, I know more about the Proud Boys than I know about Biden's uh, foreign policy. And I'm amazed because Biden, it's all just slogans and boilerplate from this guy talking points. And I really mean that. I, I know it's it's an easy thing to say about a politician. Oh, it's all just talking points. But with Trump, it's actually not. I mean, he says things that you know, he just sort of lets it fly and lets it rip for better or for worse. Uh, with Joe Biden, it seemed to me very apparent that he's just trying to to, you know, keep keep this sort of low and slow profile until and he's trying to run for president. So it, there, there's a real dissonance here. It's, it's weird. He calls the lids on the campaign on ma- many days. He's not doing a, he's not doing a lot of interviews, not doing a lot of speeches. It's all so scripted and phony. And I just want to I, I wonder if, if enough Americans can see through this, because I think it's obvious. Um, I think that it's obviously a uh, I, I would say I just want to quickly go back to something you said. I don't think of course there are platitudes and all politicians use platitudes. But this is more than the usual uh talk because there's he he literally doesn't take a position for instance you know chuck schumer not some fringe activist is threatening to pack the courts and undermine the integrity of the constitutional order and he just won't answer a question about it he's decided that that's not an important question for him to answer and the press sort of presses him a little bit but then they move on so that in itself is amazing and unprecedented in modern history i can't think of another important issue like that where president I mean, David, you know, you look at the way that they push on the have you denounced white supremacists and then you you hear the way that they're like, I mean, the Supreme Court packing thing. Got any thoughts on that? Oh, no. Okay, good. See you later. It's so it's so obvious. Yeah. What they're trying to do, of course, is is give Donald Trump ownership of that issue by constantly asking him this question. And obviously, when someone asks you. Uh, do you condemn someone terrible? It makes you feel like they're part of your group or something and that, you know, you're, you're condemning them only because, you know, they're a part of you, which they're not. And Trump has condemned them numerous times. And yet at the same time, you have Joe Biden saying that Antifa, who is responsible for 99 percent of the looting and violent political violence that we see over the last few months, he can just say they're an idea and everyone moves forward like it's nothing. And, and, and Trump is on the cover of every single newspaper. It's so frustrating to to have to deal with this. And I'm not sure how to, you know, obviously there are there are conservative media people we're speaking now. But I mean, the, the majors have a huge monopoly on on what people see and read. And they're just not getting the full truth. And it's 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 really dangerous for for the health of the republic, I think. Chris Wallace played into this a little bit, asked about that. I, I just, you know, I think you, you're a guy, David, who plays it fair. You criticize the president when when he deserves it and you praise him when he deserves it uh, in, in your view. And you're willing to say that stuff. And I don't think you're unfair about fellow journos. I just how could Chris Wallace not understand that asking the president to denounce white supremacists? I mean, this is like something I would expect if, if Trump went on Rachel Maddow's show. That's the question he would get. Yeah, it was a bad question. And I. I generally like him because I think he plays devil's advocate when he's interviewing people and tries to play it fair. But I don't think he's a good debate moderator because there were at least four questions, and I can't remember them all now, where he framed the question itself. He begged the question. He framed it as in the leftist rhetoric, right? Like calling uh, critical race theory. um, Social uh, racial sensitivity sensitivity training. Yeah. That is the debate, right? 
the debate is the question. And then Trump is left to deal with that. But he's just doing Biden's work. And there were no questions like that to Biden, I don't think. So but that's been going on forever in debates. You know, you have that Candy Crowley moment. You can go back forever. Let's be honest. It's always been that way. And we just uh, I just think conservatives have to stop letting the other side frame the debate because that is half the battle. And they're constantly doing it. And Chris Wallace, I think, did that in this debate. I mean, I don't watch cable news enough to know how he is every day. But generally, I, I thought of him as fair. But I thought he was he did, it was a bad. Yeah, I mean, well, there's there's really no debates anymore on cable news. It's interesting that I feel like it was a business built on the Hannity and Combs model or the crossfire model. You know, these shows where there was this left right exchange that's gone now. I mean, if you're going on CNN to be a conservative these days, if you're if you're paid by them, you are there to get punched in the face and look like a fool for the amusement of CNN's audience. Same. I mean, at MSNBC, you're actually a conservative like Nicole Wallace is. We are a puppet on the left doing what Democrats want you to do. But it's more fun to watch because, oh, even this Republican hates Trump so much. Right. It's the, like the never Trumper phenomenon over there. Um, but but with with our media as it is, I, I have to wonder, do they expect that we all forget, David, that no one really thought at the beginning of this process of the of the 2020 election, the Democrat primary, that Joe Biden was some great candidate or no one thought this. I mean, there was like not a person alive who was like, oh, Joe Biden, he's this guy's amazing. And we're left with this this just decades long also ran. And it, it is a part of this. I mean, my thinking is that the Democrats wanted to see if they can get this done, that 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 it's almost like part of the joke is ha ha. See, we could even get Joe Biden to be president instead of Trump. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm writing this now, but I think Joe Biden's an idea, right? He's not, he's the idea. He's not real. He's just an empty vessel that you fill in with anything you want, far left stuff or or moderate, you know, pretend he's a moderate. But he's really nothing. He's just a stand in. And it's a terrible thing to say about someone, but as a political matter, <laughs> he's just a stand in because he was the most palatable candidate available for them who wasn't crazy who they thought could win the election. And because he doesn't stand for anything, he is just, he doesn't stand for what he used to believe in. He's just, look, they're saying Joe, Joe is moral and, and you know Trump isn't moral and you have to pick the right guy. Well, yeah, that might be part of the equation if you don't believe Trump is a moral guy. But you know what? I don't think late-term abortion is moral either. So I have a, you know, that makes me think about a lot of other things as well. But we never talk about policy anymore. And you mentioned the debates, cross-debating uh, on cable TV. I grew up watching Crossfire with Pat Buchanan on it and others, and I love that show, and it made me interested in politics. But we don't have that kind of debate going on anymore. We don't have it on Twitter either. It's just like flyby and another flyby, and you're a loser, and you're stupid, and you love Trump, blah, blah, blah. Never any kind of real debate anymore. And there used to be when I first got on Twitter, I think, and in, in, in the blogging world, there used to be debate, but there's no debate anymore, and everyone lives in their bubble. Yeah, and, it's uh, just become completely, it's become completely ossified. We're speaking to David Harsani of National Review, everyone, and you know, David, uh, there's been this talk now about changing the debate format going forward. Uh, do, do you think does this does this even really matter at this point? I feel, I feel like by next week, no one's really going to even remember the first debate. So why this fixation? I guess in the media it gives us something to do. Uh, you know, you if you have 70 million people watching something, I think it matters. Right. Um, will we remember it? Probably not. There are only moments you do. But it's it's sort of compounding interest where you have. All these events happening and they create a perception of people. Uh, I think most of that's baked into the cake with Trump, but it might not be so with Biden fully. Um, I, I like debates. I don't like debate structures like this. I think it's antiquated. 
I think you have to have more open discussion, not less, fewer rules, not more. The idea that you're going to cut off microphones is ridiculous. If Trump wants to be aggressive, let him be aggressive. And if people don't like it, they won't vote for him. It's part of who he is. Um, I wrote a column, I, 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 you know, the other day, I think just let them fight, let them fight. Let's see what happens. So many times there were interest conversation accidentally started to get interesting. And Chris Wallace is jumping in to say that the time is up. Like we're like they're children. That, that, that was it's my, ridiculous. that was my big complaint was that they needed, you know, I know, I know everyone likes to rip on soccer, but you know, soccer has the, they call it the advantage rule where if someone fouls someone, but then another teammate that of the guy that got fouled, like about to score maybe, or it has a breakaway, they let the play continue and then they'll go back and deal with the foul. If they have to penalize somebody afterwards, I think that's got to be a little more the approach in the debate. And it was amazing. It was almost like that they were trying to at every point where it seemed like there was going to be something that you heard that was meaningful from one of the candidates. Chris Wallace jumped in and started interrupting and being a pain in the ass. I mean, that was what actually happened. Yeah, a colleague of mine pointed out, and I think it's interesting that when you read the transcript, Trump is far more on, uh, far, talks far more about policy, talks far more about specifics, and comes off far better than he did in the video and the way he was. Um, but yeah, it's funny that you mentioned soccer because the rare few times I do watch soccer at the end of the game, like the clock's up, but they're still playing, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? But it is, it is definitely a good idea to let, to not have a debate in the constraints of 20th century television, right? We don't have a commercial coming. We have YouTube. We have C-SPAN. We can watch this anywhere. It doesn't make any sense to me why it has to be, the, there has to be, be these time limits. And I think they help uh, Biden now, but in the future, it might help someone else. I think we just have to change the way we look at that. We look at debates and what, what they're meant to do. They're meant to inform, not to, to be part of some, you know, strict, you know, we must answer all these questions today. You can have as many debates as you want. Dave, before I let you go, if Biden wins, let's just say you're not you're not a catastrophist. I mean, you're a pretty even keeled guy. How bad is it for the country in your estimation? <laughs> so you keep saying I'm even keel. I don't know. Um, depends if the Republicans keep the Senate. Uh, I, I, I think Biden is a pushover for anything that's going on. I don't feel like he's going to stand up to the left. Uh, maybe it will, but I doubt it. I think if the Republicans lose the Senate, also depends how much they lose it. It could be very bad. If they lose, if it's a, if they're up, you know, by one or two seats in the Senate, I don't think they're going to get rid of the filibuster. I don't think they're going to pack the courts. I won't. I just think that a lot of the people who are coming into the Senate then, and a lot of the more moderate states, West Virginia, maybe Arizona, and places like that, are not going to want to ruin their careers moving forward by being radical. But if they win, you know, three, four seats, uh, if they go three, four seats up and Biden wins and they have the House, I don't think it's going to be very good, very good for people who believe in conservative policies. We'll see. But uh, I don't you know, and I don't Biden's not going to be a two term president, most likely. So you're going to have the party that's behind him and you see the sorts of folks who are there leading the charge and making policy. That's that's pretty scary, I think, if you you know, if you're a conservative. David Arsani, everyone, check out his latest at nationalreview.com. Also, follow him on uh, Twitter if you're on Twitter at David Harsani. David, great to see you, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You're going to go with that weak ass argument here. Bird, who had a complete enlightenment about how hate was wrong, who changed his life. 
who spoke about it, Chris, who changed Chris, have his ways. Chris, you eulogized a Klansman? I have I'll, I'll give you another listen, example. No, 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 hold on. Right, that's, hold, your example. Hold on. that's your example. You're going to no, use no, that. No, I'll give you another one. Gonna, I, well, I give you a on. lot of examples. But hold on, because I don't want you to run away from the premise, Senator. I'm not you, but I'm not a fool either. He did it in Charlottesville. He did it with David Duke, the old Ted Cruz, who he called Lion Ted when he wasn't insulting your wife and your father, tweeted, hey, you're better than this, Mr. President. What happened to that, Ted? I don't know if he changed or did just you change for some reason, Senator. <laughs> Chris, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you take tips uh, on, on insults from, from, from other folks. Really? Look, Am I insulting oh, you, sir? Oh, yeah. Oh, so. oh, yeah, you are. And, and, so. and you're enjoying it. That's, that's I am fine. not enjoying you're, it you're at all. Chris, I'm not enjoying Chris, anything about this except having an opportunity for you to say the right thing at the right time. Chris, there was a time when CNN actually cared about being journalistic and talking about oh. facts. D Donald Trump broke you guys. I mean, you're just really? your, your entire show, your entire network mm. now is just how much you hate Trump. And, and really? Yes, really. Yes. Ted Cruz is speaking the truth here. That's correct. CNN is a network devoted to Trump hatred. It's bizarre. It's sad. It's really uncomfortable. And to the country, it really could be dangerous, too. We are at this very divided point in time. And to have entire networks that all they just do is convince everyone all the time how horrible and racist and evil the president is. You know, I, I remember the opposition to Obama at Fox News. I did a lot of Fox at the time. I was working at The Blaze. Uh, which Glenn Beck started. And you remember Glenn at that time had a had a tremendous national voice in the conversation in 2011, 2012. And it was always we don't like what Obama is doing. Yes, there were people that said, uh, you know, other things. And there was, uh, you know, there there were uh, people that, that hated Obama or thought he was, a, you know, he was as people talk about him being a secret Muslim and all this stuff. I understand that that existed. But the mainstream conversation in conservative circles and on the right and the Republican Party was we don't like this thing that Obama is doing as president. Right? It wasn't always, oh, we, you know, Obama's the worst person. He's an awful, evil. He's, you know, horrible to his family. He's a he's a the thing. Look, the things they call Trump, a traitor, a rapist, crazy. No one said these things about Obama. And they'd say, oh, well, that's because Obama wasn't those things. Yeah, Trump isn't either. Um, no, we, we didn't like Obamacare. We didn't like the bowing to foreign countries and apologizing for America at a time when we were under assault from a lot of jihadist terrorism. We didn't like things that he was doing. We wanted him to do other things. You know, when Obama took credit for the bin Laden raid and making that call, people were saying, OK, you know, give the guy credit, help him get reelected. Right? There, there were some things the Obama administration did where I don't care who you are, you have to say, OK, well, that was the right move. But it wasn't about hating Obama. I don't hate Barack Obama. I don't know Barack Obama. I don't hate him. These people at CNN, they hate Donald Trump. I mean, it's de Jeff Zucker. It's known. It is deeply personal for him. Yeah. And look, I mean, there are people in the media that I, I know on a some at some personal level or have had interactions with that I think are horrible. And if they were running for office, it would be very hard for me. To ever be objective, because I think that person sucks. But I'm, I would be honest with you about that. Um, the, the news media is not honest about any of this. And they're also not honest about what's about to happen in this country, where uh, we're going to see blue states, New York most notably, are going to shut down again. 
and we're going to be told to wear masks. And, and I, I want to know right now what, what the answer is going to be to questions like, so when the vaccine comes out, if I get the vaccine, am I still supposed to wear a mask after I get the vaccine? If I get a vaccine, do I still have to wear a mask? Now I'm supposed to be vaccinated against it, but I'm going to wear a mask anyway to make people feel better. Hmm. We're going to have businesses shut down going into the election. You're going to have New York City still in this, you know, and, and, and Biden saying there's going to be a national mask mandate. All this stuff that's happening. And we're not going to hold anybody accountable for all these excesses, are we? Or not. I mean, Governor Cuomo, we just had uh, Chris Cuomo before. He gets very testy about this. Governor Cuomo has now been saying that he never sent COVID positive patients in nursing homes. Just just Stalin style Politburo rewriting of history to suit the purposes of the people in power at the moment. That's what's actually happening. That is going on right now. You know, Chris, I mean, uh, not Chris, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo. It's amazing. These guys all all because of their last name, because daddy was a governor. Now they get to be governor and TV hosts. It's really astonishing. Uh, Nepotism is one of the it's it's a bad thing in this country and it's on both sides. I know we're all supposed to just say, you know, mm -mm. we want a meritocracy. Nepotism is not a meritocracy, folks. Um, But I digress. Anyway, the uh, the problem with uh, Chris Cuomo, I keep saying Andrew Cuomo. He's he's now saying that he sleeps well at night. You know, his his head sleeps soundly on the pillow because he saved so many lives in New York. This guy did the worst job of anyone in the world in response to the covid pandemic. And his claim is that he saved lives with all of this. I mean, we're just arguing with with another with the other side here on things where they reject objective reality. They reject what's really clear and what's happening. How, how do you win a debate with people who are just going to pretend things aren't what they are. I, I don't know. I don't know. And that's when people ask me, how do we win with this other side? I think you just you got to keep fighting. You've just got to take that Trump approach of never give in, never step back, never apologize. Stay in the fight. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. You know, I I finished the last Kingdom last night, the most recent season I finished last episode. I mean, it's a good show. It's a good show for what it is. I think that it it sometimes goes a little, it, it gets a little repetitive. It's kind of the same thing, you know. Oh, the Vikings took another city. Oh, we have to take it back. It's, you know, there's, I, w- I wish the writing was a little bit, a little bit better sometimes. But overall, I think it's just pretty, pretty good, enjoyable show. And I got Bosch. But after that, I'm done with Cobra Kai. I, I'm at a, I'm almost done with with the uh, episodes of Bosch that exist. So I got to find a new show, man. This is always hard. Bruce and Mark, you got any other than the Creek? You got any suggestions? Not off the top of my head. No, some old shows you could probably watch. I don't watch anything new. I don't know why. What old shows really hold up? Well, Seinfeld's always there, obviously. Have you ever watched Scrubs? Um, no, I have not. Honestly, one of the best shows, one of my personal favorite shows ever. Really? Yeah. Hmm. You know, Murray from Clueless is in it. From Clueless is he, in Scrubs? He, he is in Scrubs. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, and he is uh, best known for I'm Keeping It Real. That I never watched Clueless. Clueless. So, I probably did a long time ago, but I, I don't Dude, remember. Everyone, enough, producer yeah. Mark, everyone has seen Clueless. All right, I'm Come sure on. I've seen it, but I don't remember. I don't have the recall like you do. Mm, yeah, keep it real. And in fact, uh, Dion from Clueless had a career at Fox News for a little while. Hmm. Did you know that? Yeah, Dion from Clueless. Uh, she's a very attractive uh, African American lady. Um, and uh, yeah, she was uh, she was a uh, Fox News. I don't know, correspondent host, but she was on on air at Fox a fair amount for a while. So anyway, uh, ah, yes, Clueless. Great, great film. Great film. I, I got to find some stuff to watch here. I've also got to stop playing Call of Duty because it's so addictive. And, you know, you get a little bit better at it. And then it's have you ever played? I have. It's very fun. I don't get addicted to it because I'm so bad at it. Well, that's the problem is once you start to I think it's a little bit like people have explained golf this way to me that golf is terrible until you stop being terrible at it. And then it's amazing. And then you just want to do it all the time. Yeah, I so. said that to my wife recently. I was like, if we move to Florida, like I, I have to play golf, right? Like there's, what else do you do yeah. if you live in Florida? I think I think you do. What'd she say? She said, I mean, whatever you want to do. She doesn't care. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Are you a pool or a beach guy? Pool. Pool. For guy. sure. Yeah. The beach is just. I, I, granted, when I lived at a beach, so I used to live in Long Beach, New York, and I could walk there, it was great. But any other time, if you have to drive there or take public transportation or whatever and, and schlep all your stuff, it, it's a big pain. There we have it. Well, we'll see. I'll, I'll find a new show. I'll let you know if I come up on anything good. Remember, if you want to uh, send us your thoughts, Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com or on Facebook, just go to Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. And on Instagram... We like getting the Instagram stuff. Instagram, uh, just send a, a note to Buck Saxon. Producer Mark will go through it. If you get a Team Buck or a Shields High tattoo, by all means, send that in. We love, we love that kind of stuff. That was one of my favorite messages in a while. That was great. I feel like we'd have to get you a raise, though, for you to get a, a, a Team Buck tattoo. Oh, a huge one. My Big God. raise. Big raise, yeah. I, th- I think I would need a raise, too. I'm not, I don't know. Needles, I'm not a needles guy. Can't really handle that. That wouldn't be my Is anyone thing. really a needle person? I think some people, I mean, I know that there are people who are really, really into getting a lot of tattoos. So I don't know if they're a needle person, but it clearly doesn't bother them that much. Well, you see, when I think of needles, I think like getting an IV or getting a shot or something. Yeah. Yeah, the doctor's yeah. office. Yeah. Speaking of, I got to get a, a, a pertussis shot for whooping cough because my little sister's about to have a baby. Congratulations. Yeah, Uncle little, she's like, she's like uh, two, three weeks away. A baby's going to come flying out. He's going to have a mane of hair. He's going to be uh, very loquacious right away. That's what I think, at least. I mean, he's not your baby. I know, but he's related to me, so he's going to be like, kind of like baby Stewie. Does your uh, brother-in-law have good hair? Oh, yes. Good okay. hair. Right. The man has good hair, so, right. so we're in good shape there. All right, Tyler. Oh, Tyler, this is from, uh, yes, we wanted to get to this yesterday, and I said I would, but the show actually came to a close, so now we will give your question. It's full due. Hey, Buck, you're doing amazing work. Got your new book in the mail. I'm excited to read it. That's right. BuckSextonBook.com, people. Go get a copy. The Socialism Survival Guide. Eight radical predictions that will come true after the next election. I actually wrote it. I'm like a lot of conservatives that put out books that other people wrote, but that they put their name on. I, I, that's just not my thing. I'm, if I say I wrote it, I wrote it. Now, there are some... Uh, addendums to the chapters that are from my friends at Stansbury Research on things you can do based on the predictions to take 
economic action or, you know, financial action to help yourself prepare. But that's very clear. But all the actual stuff on the socialism and the election and the predictions that who's going to win the election, for example, what happens afterwards? What are the Democrats going to do if they win? All this is in the book. BuckSextonBook.com. Please pick up your copy today. And OK, Tyler writes, my question for you is about the Democratic Party selecting Biden, because like so many others, I'm still baffled. When you talk about him being the nominee, you say the DNC Democratic machine selected him and rejected everyone else, including Bernie. I know the DNC and the media are hugely influential to their voter base, but the voters still say Biden was their best shot. It seems like the voters picked him in spite of the DNC media putting the spotlight on others like Harris. But somehow Biden got the votes anyway, and then the DNC had to line up behind him. So how intact do you think the Democratic electoral process still is today? Also, I noticed that your boy Jesse Kelly recently did a podcast on the siege of Malta. Just throwing that out there. Shields high. What? He did? Yes, I checked. He did. It's what happens when you procrastinate for six months. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Good for Jesse. Very nice. Um, all righty here. What else do we have here? I'm sure it's great. I'll actually, I'll, I'll give it a listen. As for your uh, Biden um, Democratic Party situation here. Uh, yeah, I think you look, I think that, um, you know, the DNC is very powerful. The voters here, here's what happened with Biden. OK, Biden uh, has the black vote behind him. He did in the primary. And some of the other favored media candidates could not get that level of support from the black community. And that was essential to winning the primary. And it's just look, Biden was a part of the Obama administration, a lot of African-American support. So, you know, that. um, Yeah, that that was a big factor in all this, like Buddha judge media loved him, couldn't get black support in the primary at all. I mean, it was like basically zero. Kamala Harris could not get support of African-American primary voters. So that was a big advantage that Biden had going through the whole way. But then also the people who in the media and behind the scenes are the power brokers in the Democrat Party. I think that they recognize that it would be harder to push through a um, it would be harder to push through uh, a Bernie Sanders candidacy. And so they just wanted to go with this concept of electability. Now, electability is kind of funny because it is what the people say it is who want to make an election happen. Right. So that's interesting. Um, You know, electability. Hillary was supposed to be the electable one, but she wasn't. (laughs) So that's what I'm saying. The people that make these decisions, it's it's supposed to be a self-fulfilling prophecy and it often is not. Uh, So that's what I would say. That's what I would say. Jr. uh, I love your show. I binge listen to you and Bongino on the weekends. Well, Jr., I'm in uh, elite company there. Thank you very much. I enjoy your level-headed and seldom hyperbolic observations and commentary. I'm always amused at the hyperbole Biden and the Democrats use to claim Trump and Republicans want to unilaterally destroy the Unaffordable Care Act. Most Americans recall the Unaffordable Care Act was written in secret and passed against the wishes of most of Americans and without any support from real Republicans. Keep up the good work. Shields high. Phasers on stun. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Affordable Care Act was an act. Uh, and Jr., thank you for your support. By the way, appreciate you writing in. The Affordable Care Act was an act of totally unilateral Democrat movement. That's it. 
right? The Affordable Care Act was entirely the Democrats deciding that they were going to do something, and it didn't matter that Republicans were not getting on board for it at all. So that's and to, to view that as some kind of great leap. Well, it was kind of a great leap forward, but as some uh, major advancement for all of us. Uh, no, it made for a lot of people health care. Some people benefited from it. A lot of people didn't. Uh, it picked winners and losers in the individual market because you're either subsidizing others for lesser care or getting better care because of the subsidies. But someone's subsidizing it. So money's coming from somewhere. Um, and, you know, the, the pre-existing conditions issue, that's just so emotionally that resonates so much with people emotionally. But the true pre-existing conditions is like one percent of the market that have that have pre-existing conditions where insur- insurers will just say, sorry. Now, look, that's a few million people. So I'm not saying that's insignificant, but everyone kind of got sold this thing of, oh, you know, there's a huge portion of the population that can't be insured. That's not true. When they when they were ramming through Obamacare without a single Republican vote, generally speaking, about 70 percent of people in the polls would, in fact, uh, 70 percent of people believed uh, that they liked their health care. It was about 70 percent. So that's pretty good. Now, you've got a whole lot more people on Medicaid because of Obamacare. But Medicaid is not very good health care. And so really what the what the left, what the Democrats now have to do as part of all of this is they want to say they're going to give everybody better health care. But really what's going to happen, because health care is a finite resource, there's not endless doctors, there aren't endless, um, you know, emergency room, waiting rooms and, and so on and so forth. So what they want to do is spread out the health care resources that already exist so that, you know, you'll have a lot more people who have something that's similar to Medicaid. They're going to call it Medicare. But if everyone's on Medicare, it's going to be closer to Medicaid, which means a lot of doctors don't won't want to take it. Um, you, a lot of things won't be covered and you'll have long waits and specialists will take forever. And, and that's what we see in other countries, too. I mean, this is just the way it plays out. The market is the market, even when Democrats call it something else. They can say the market is a pink hippopotamus, but it still is the market. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right, more roll call. Matthew, hey, Buck, just want to let you know I love your show. I've always been a big Rush fan and was listening to his podcast when I saw an ad for your show. Started listening to one episode and I cannot get enough the other day, listening to your dialogue as Putin talking to President Trump had me dying, could not stop laughing. That was great. Keep up the good work. God bless you and God bless America. Well, thank you, Matthew. That's great, man. I really appreciate that. Nothing makes me happier than people write in and just tell me they really like the show. Bruce and Mark, can we just get more of those messages, please? Absolutely. I'll have people start writing them in. Yeah, just, you know, you know, that, that Buck keeps them safe and warm at night or the Freedom Hut keeps them safe and warm at night. If I keep them safe and warm at night, that's, you know, it's slightly creepy. Yeah, that's a little weird, but you know what I mean. The Freedom Hut keeps them safe and warm at night, darn it. So, yeah, um, let's see. Uh, and uh, being a big Rush fan, if you like this show, you like Rush, you've obviously got fantastic taste in audio programming. So there you have it. Zvi. It's a fun name to say. Zvi. I like it. Hey, Buck. Wow, the president surely managed to reinforce the common opinion of him during the debate, instead of using the opportunity to contrast his record with that of his predecessor and VP uh, and grab the even greater opportunity to present himself to the public without the negative filter of the mass media, he confirmed 
the bad press. With Biden correcting himself at least three times instead of repeated interjections, the president should have allowed the XVP every opportunity to trip up by presenting his own administration's accomplishments pre-COVID minority employment to start. The president would all but force the XVP to counter his claims or stand mum. Um, yeah, look, I, you know, I, I back the president and I understand why he has to go go uh, guns blazing into these debates. And I, I've said that today on the show. I was frustrated, though, because it felt like there were a few points where I don't know how many of your Mortal Kombat fans were finish him would have been the appropriate background sound. And it just he didn't get there. And it was in part because of Chris Wallace's interruptions. But, you know, you've also got to, you know, it is the president on that debate stage. And I, I just wish he had been in a in a frame of mind. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I just wish he'd been in a place where he could have really because i mean if you pin biden down on even just the question about whether he'll pack the supreme court if you get him to say yes i would i would consider pack the supreme court that's a problem that's a problem for the whole democrat narrative about a return to normalcy and all the norm breaking that trump has done so you got to remember that that there are some areas here that it's not just something we're talking about it really is true if you were able to get Biden uh, locked in on something and, and made him answer some of these questions, I think he'd have a a big problem. Um, so, yeah, it was it was frustrating for me that that didn't happen with uh, with Trump in the debate. It was frustrating. But that said, it's not me up on that debate stage, although I would obviously I mean, Biden would not would not fare well in the buck debate. Craig, can you please explain how we came to be a two party system? Have some lib friends that I'd like to be better, better able to talk to you about this. Thanks. Enjoy your show. Producer Mark is cool. You hear that? Producer Mark, Craig says you're cool. I'm glad someone thinks I'm cool. There you go. Uh, as for the two-party system, that's... I, I wish I had like a cool 30... Speaking of cool, a uh, 30-second explanation of it. Let me say that this is something that I will, I will have to return to when I have more than about 45 seconds left on the show. But, Craig, uh, I'll follow it away. I'll follow it away. Anthony, hey, Buck, what was productive about the debate was that the president showed Biden what the president has put up with every day with the press for the past four years. After that, do you think the press will treat the president any better? Better yet, do you think Biden could handle the pressure? Come on, man. Um, what was... Do you think the press will treat president any better? No, they will not. <laughs> so I can answer that part for you, Anthony. The press will not treat the president any better. Uh, they view their job as preventing him from getting elected. Understand that their, their job is not to present you with facts and information so that you can make a decision. Their job is to make sure in their minds is to make sure the president does not get elected. All right, everyone. That's the show today. Thank you so much for being here. An honor and a privilege as always. Until next time, get ready for it, friends. Shields high.